Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. This is Michael McGraw. I'm here with Michael Shutt. It is Monday, August 28th, and college football is here. Let's play some football, to quote the great Philip Rivers. That's right. Did you see that he gave a inspirational speech to NC State last week and was just going absolutely apoplectic and perfect Philip Rivers style? Yeah, man. I'm inspired. I'm ready. I'm ready to play some football. <laughs> I'm excited, and I do want to talk about week zero and do a preview of week one. But first, the main thing about college football that I enjoy is nostalgia. It is the rote things that you look forward to every fall. The games, the rivalries, everything that you look forward to seeing, there's like a cadence to it. And one of those things for me, despite how stupid it is, has always been the college game day entrance music from Big and Rich, mm. which for the last 16 seasons has been College Game Day's official song. Right yeah. at like 9 o'clock, it comes on, it plays, come into your city. Come in to your city. Exactly right. And earlier this past week, Big and Rich announced that they would no longer be the official song of College Game Day, and they were passing the torch to some unnamed lyricist out there. Un- it hasn't been Cancel. announced yet. Cancel football. Let's just not. If we're not coming to your city, then I don't want to do it. So a couple things about Big and Rich that I wanted to talk about. First is just a personal aside, which Mm. is that for the last several years, uh, my wife and I have been together now for eight years as a married couple, longer dating. And I have this bit that I do on Saturday mornings. She's usually lounging around, sometimes still in bed, sleeping. And I have found numerous ways of blasting the Big and Rich theme song in her ear, sometimes from her phone, sometimes from a speaker I've surreptitiously hidden in the room and then Bluetooth, and somehow always managed to surprise her, scare her. And now I can't do that anymore. It's not going to be the same if it's going to be some other song. So anyway, that's just like a personal aside. The second thing is that I got into this rabbit hole of reading about Big and Rich. Do you know much about them as a... Country I, um, music duo. I know a little bit about John Rich as a producer. I don't even know the real name of the of Big. He goes by Big Kenny. Uh huh. I don't know if that's his given name. <laughs> Probably not. It sounds about right. His name is William Kenneth Alfin, but he goes by Big Kenny. Yeah, man. Here's something I didn't know about them. John Rich, founding member of the band Texas Sea. Yeah. Which then became Lone Star. Oh, yeah. The people who did the, like, baby, I'm amazed by you. Yeah. But he left. Lone Star, Right before they became famous. Like, he got out of there, and then Lone Star blew up. Not great for him, but, I mean, he's had a pretty successful career. I think he's okay. Save a a horse, ride a cowboy. Amen. They're doing that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Who would you want to see as a college game day? Who do you think would be a good do a good job of creating that song. Sure. It so it's tough, right? Because it feels like like country feels like the right genre. Mm-hmm. It really does. And so like it's I think there's artists I would like to see and then artists that I think would realistically do it. So I know that there is a new college football. They have a new song with Post Malone. Mm-hmm. I actually think he would be good at something like this. I would love to see Jason Isbell cr- crank out a college oh, football. I mean, like it would it would rock, but he would never do that. 
He would have a whole bunch of stuff the, about like sad yeah. NIL deals gone yeah. awry. It'd be the most depressing college football theme song. Uh, no, I mean, I think that, look, there's one answer to this that is the correct answer. For people who don't know, there is a, a significant event coming in spring of 2024. Legendary band Creed is reuniting. And I think what better way to celebrate the, that than by them recording the anthem for college game day with lots of religious overtones undertones to be i mean they've they kind of got away from that towards the end and scott stapp has already done a song for the floor what was then the florida marlins now the miami marlins and how'd that go it's a great (laughs) song is it (laughs) yeah lots of lyrics about stealing bases and things like that it's I mean, I felt like that song was like universally panned as like one of the worst things ever created by well, man. I that and Oppenheimer's bomb are like <laughs> one and one A and one B. I think people have some pretty bad takes on it, uh, where they they think it's not great, but like it's, I think it's perfect. You know, you've got lyrics like we watch strikeouts, base hits, double plays, take the field, hear the roar of the crowd. Come on, Marlins, make us proud. Oh, it rhymes. Pretty yeah. Good. That's pretty good. I mean, that guy could absolutely write a great college football song. Uh, I say, let's do it. Let's get Creed on this. What I would like to see is for them to have Big and Rich get some kind of licensing deal to have other artists record their versions. Today, yeah. But like a, a like a weekly update oh, based, based on, on like on how the, the season is going. Oh, so okay. like if UCF, well, based on the location, but then like if UCF is having a great year, like I don't know. Put something in about the Knights. What are they doing? Yeah. I like that a lot. I like... Um, what would yeah, Taylor Swift's Big and Rich cover sound ooh, like? Ooh. It'd be real, like, anthemic and, like, kind of insightful feeling. Like, like that's not the word I'm looking for, but mm. reflective, I feel like, is a good... Lots of Taylor Swift songs are super... They're not, like, incredibly sad, but have that kind of, like, emotional pull to it. How do you add that into Come Into Your City? could be about how like a defense lets her down she let her defenses down <laughs> yeah, and that could be yeah. about usc and how they don't really have a defense that's so good still yeah love it yeah i don't know all i know is it's really important that espn gets this right if you do something stupid then it's you could ruin everything you had the perfect song i wonder did they explain why not really they just said it was like time time to move on disagree and at the same time, I mean, maybe ESPN's not giving them as much money as they have been giving or something, yeah. so they have all these cut cost situations. And I don't know, like the whole thing. I've grown up, despite how corny it is, and it's just a people stand, bunch of people standing in a field and cheering for whatever, and it's a TV show. I love College Game Day. Oh, it's I'm great. an absolute sucker for it. But this year, like losing David Pollock, bringing in Pat McAfee for a bigger role, losing yeah. this song. Uh, Lee Corso, we're going the wrong way. May die on set mm-hmm. at any moment. I I don't know. Yeah, we it's are sad. definitely going the wrong direction with College Game Day. But at the same time, Saturday morning when that thing comes on, I'm gonna be so pumped because it's just like we're here. We made it. We made it through another bleak off season to finally watch college kids decapitate each other for free. Did you see, and I want to move on to talking about week zero, which just happened a couple days ago, but yeah. did you see that helmet I did. turn and that UMass New Mexico State game? 
like guy got a face mask, turned the quarterback's helmet all the way around to the point where he could not see who he's throwing to. And the quarterback still was like, F it, I'm throwing it. Yeah. See, see, who's the, see who's available in the end zone. Love it. I've seen that clip quite a bit. You never the clip always cuts off before the end result of the play. I'm assuming he didn't complete the pass. Yeah, they didn't turn that into a 14 point comeback victory. Can you but. imagine if he had completed that for a touchdown or something? And like SB's play of the year, right there, century even. Uh, Pat Mahomes could never. So week zero happened. Few games, most of them were kind of not involving teams that have any kind of real expectations to contend although notre dame had a big blowout win against navy usc had a high scoring game against san diego or san jose state what were your takeaways from what you saw in week zero if any yeah i got a few notre dame looked dominant as kind of expected right this isn't really a great navy team but you think about last year, right? Navy made it interesting uh, in the second half. And this point, at this time, they couldn't do that. And and that's got to mean something. The story of Notre Dame this year is sort of like, is Marcus Freeman as a head coach a little more comfortable, a little more experienced, able to, to keep control of this team? Not that he lost control of it, but just kind of keep this team poised. Um, and the offense, that's, that's kind of the, that word came up a lot um, on the broadcast but how poised the offense looked with a seasoned veteran and Sam Hartman under center. Super efficient, right? Hartman was good as expected. The great even, like the if he keeps that up, like he's going to be a Heisman contender, but it's one game against the Navy defense. It's not that great. And the thing that he has that I think he's not used to having is such a great balanced running game. I mean, those different running backs they're pulling out with pain and love and estimate it helps a quarterback to be more efficient and make the plays when they don't have to make every play. And that's what it was for him at wake. He was, I mean, they had other good players around him for sure, but he had to make big plays for them. And um, yeah, I mean, this season for him is about proving that he can excel outside of the slow mesh that wake forest uses. And so far so good. I was impressed by Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I think this is a perfect fit for Sam Hartman, where he can still be very efficient. He was 19 for 23, four touchdowns, like a great performance. But at the same time, they don't need to rely on him like at Wake, where there are frequently games where he would have to throw 45, 50 times. Notre Dame's not going to need him to do that. Yeah. And so he can just kind of be his efficient self, play within himself and the offense. I mean, I think my takeaway, again, like you said, Navy's not a very great team this year but I think Notre Dame is going to be very strong I mean this looks like a 9-10 win team I think they're just outside of the playoff in terms like I don't think they compete really with Georgia or Ohio State but I think they're a tier just below that and that's I think really impressive for Marcus Freeman's second year second team I want to talk about USC lots of points everything fun video game scoring and video game defense of giving up 28 <laughs> points to San Jose State that was like the biggest problem it's always the biggest problem with Lincoln Riley coach teams like will they be able to stop anybody Caleb Williams looked great Zachariah Branch with 232 all-purpose yards like he made a strong Heisman-esque case for himself right out of the gate but man this defense was promised to be better Bear Alexander on the defensive line transfer from Georgia they look like they're still going to struggle they did. I, I'm not going to totally write them off yet. It's one game, right? So, like, 
especially with so many new pieces in the front seven, especially, you know, you kind of feel like it's going to take some time for that to gel, but it is definitely concerning, right? I, I think that if I were a USC fan, I definitely would have, that would have given me some heartburn, right? Just feeling like, oh, here it is again. Yeah, I mean, you look at the offense and Caleb Williams is still, as the kids would say, he's still him. Um, that dude can play, right? We know that. I think he still has a really good shot of becoming a, a repeat Heisman winner. Like you said, Zachariah Branch reminded me a lot of Reggie Bush out there. Obviously at a different position, but in terms of in the return game, he's just somebody you get the ball in his hands. He's going to be dangerous. But yeah, that defense super concerning. Starting to think maybe Alex Grinch just is maybe he's the problem, right? Because you do have new pieces and pieces that seem to be very talented but maybe the scheme maybe some of the run fits just aren't there and it just looks like this is a team that more physical teams that aren't san jose state so some of those pac-12 teams will be able to run the ball all over them and if they're unable to generate pressure in the passing game then even though they have talent in their secondary it's not going to do them any good um, if a quarterback can just sit back there and pick them apart and so i know when we talked a little bit off air i mean you were mentioning there were a few drives at san jose state looked like they just I mean, it was easy. Like like you said, it was like playing Madden on easy difficulty. They just moved the ball right down the field. And if they're going to give that up, like it doesn't matter how good Caleb Williams is. You, you have to be able to stop the other team. I mean, this team is going to be 10, 11 wins. They'll probably be in the Pac-12 championship. But it really, their whole season, whether they make the playoff, whether they win the Pac-12, comes down to a couple of games against teams like Utah, which plays smash mouth defense or Washington, who can compete score by score with them. Yeah. And that is where they are going to run into trouble. Like Utah in particular is, strikes me as a team that is just going to like buckle up and shut down what USC wants to do and then score enough points. Mm -hmm. I mean, no one's going to be able to like hold them to seven points or anything like that. But I don't know. I, I would be very concerned if I was somebody who picked USC right out of the gate to win the championship or make the playoff. I just don't. I don't know. It, the Pac-12 was one of the like sneaky good conferences this year. They got Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA is still pretty good. I I think they're going to have a tough go of it. Yeah, I mean they they look like they are going to struggle if if somebody holds them in the twenties, which is crazy. But like their offense is good enough that that is like holding other teams to one score. Right. And, and Lincoln Riley does this all the time. Like he's ten out of twelve games they'll score forty points yeah. or more and then you know they have one or two stinkers and then well, and that's god forbid it. like Caleb Williams gets hurt or is sick or something right like I'm not saying they don't have other skill but yeah it just feels like you can't put that much pressure on your offense the last note I had for week zero just a reminder betting is so great I mean do it responsibly and yeah safely and you know I know many people out there may be listen and don't bet and that's fine but I just gotta say the high of winning a bet, no matter how small, few things in life can top it. Mm. I mean, I, I don't have kids, but I can't imagine having kids. The joy of having kids matches the joy of winning a bet. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with you. It was funny. I think on, on uh, Saturday night, we were texting as we were both like separately watching football, <laughs> uh, tracking some of our bets. At one point, to your point, you just texted me and just said football is so great, and I and I kind of thought like there would be like a follow up like no. image or gif or something coming through of something in particular. But you were just literally just basking in the bliss of college football, which is great. And yeah, I mean, like I I ended up coming out on top on Saturday, did fairly well for myself. 
But I was also rem- reminded of the low lows of betting when Vandy, who I teased down to just minus 12 and a half, they had it. They had it, and they let Hawaii score a few, I don't even want to say garbage time touchdowns because it got to a point where it was like actually close. But then that that last play, Hawaii has the ball, quarterback throws an interception, and the Vanderbilt defensive back does what is admittedly, objectively the smart play. Gets down, preserves possession so they can run the clock out. But in the replay, when you watch it, clear path to the end zone. Yep. Just go, my guy. Just go. Because if you run that ball into the end zone, you're winning me like 45 bucks. <laughs> and so little risk. Like I get I get getting down when like you don't have a clear path and you might get tackled and fumble it or something like that, but nobody was going to touch him. Just go. Just go score, man. Just like go ahead, start your campaign. It was his second pick of the game too. Like start your defensive campaign Heisman? for the Thorpe award, oh. right? Like just yeah, the defensive <laughs> let's why not? I mean Charles Woodson back. Let's do it. But he goes down and just watch the money just go away. See, and I had literally, I and we texted about this, I had literally the exact opposite situation where I needed Ohio to be within nine points. And, well, one, they were down 14 and threw a pick six, but it was called back for uh, roughing the passer, which allowed them to score and get within seven points, which was awesome. Yeah. Great, great job, refs. But then they had literally the same situation where Ohio threw a pick and San Diego State was returning it, possibly for a touchdown. If he really wanted to make it a touchdown, he yeah. could have. Oh, yeah. And instead, just, again, did the smart thing, ran out of bounds, preserved the seven-point game, which was a win for me. Yeah. Great. It's so great. Betting giveth and it taketh away. Absolutely. I mean, it's I, again, came out on top, so I can't complain that much. Made a great live bet in Louisiana Tech. That was that was nice. Mm-hmm bet on a baseball game that I didn't realize I had bet on. <laughs> um, it just adds so much. It adds so much to the experience. Yeah. It gets you invested. We were up late texting about Louisiana Tech games. I was watching the UMass uh, yeah. New Mexico State game with the fandom of a thousand sons. <laughs> like, it's just, it's great. I yeah. Love it. I had my YouTube TV multi-view on watching all the different games at once, just like hanging on every single one. And I can't tell you how many times throughout the day my wife asked me, like, why do you care about this game? I'm like, well, honey, let me give di- you a reason. It's, it's the difference between us eating dinner tonight and not. Uh no. Obviously, again, but responsibly. But yeah, you'd be proud of her actually when I said something about it and was like, Oh, Saturday, like there's college football today. I need to make some bets. She didn't even respond to me. Just immediately pulled out her phone to make some bets. So she's she's on like board. You're a lucky man. She's on board. You're a lucky man. So let's talk about how to make week one fun. Let's, yeah. let's look at some games and, and talk a little bit about, you know, some of these we'll talk about things that we could bet on. And yeah, just an overall preview, though, of week one. Yeah. So I thought what we would start with is the ACC. Cool. And looking at the overall ACC slate, because I actually think the ACC has some really important and big games this weekend. Like a lot of times, week one you get like Ole Miss and Mercer, yeah. But which is a real which game we're getting. It's a real game this year, but and there are some of that, but some really interesting ones here as well. So let's run down the list. Let's Thursday, first of all, the two first ACC games of the year involve your teams. Yeah, Thursday night's a big night for me. Pretty, uh, pretty cool. Thursday, seven o'clock. Elon, your alma mater at right. Wake ACC Network. 
the start of the Mitch Griff's era. And I don't even know what the over under is because it's an FCS game, but I'm taking the over. Whatever, whenever that yeah. number comes out on Wednesday or Thursday morning or whatever, just bet the over. It doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we don't have spread or anything on this, but um, I was looking at uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus spreadsheet, and that model is projecting Wake to win by 21 points or so, which won't surprise me. Elon does this every year, right? Plays like an ACC school pretty much, and you just kind of wait for the year where they're going to like at least make it interesting and maybe this is it like a wake team that lost sam hartman lost some other talent elon should be pretty good for an fcs team maybe this gets a little interesting but probably not i my prediction for this is that it stays interesting in the first half and then wake pulls away i think wake will dominate this game but i did uh in my saber betricks article last week bet on mitch griffs to be under 3100 some yards there, like, there are some big expectations for this kid in his first full year as a starter yeah so i don't know kind of crazy but um the elon defense is very good and so i think that this could be a pretty pretty low scoring game it's not gonna look quite like you know some of the other the last time these two teams played they played in 2019 wake 149 to 7 i don't yeah, th- i don't over it's not gonna look like that but it, it should be a fun game i think we'll see game two thursday night seven thirty. CBS Sports Network, NC State, and the premiere of Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I, minus 15, going to UConn, a team that was one of the worst at scoring last year. Their defense wasn't very good, but offense in particular was really bad. 17th worst scoring offense. Going up against NC State, defense that's known for being pretty good. Their offense is probably going to be a little bit better this year. What do you think? Taking the minus 15. I am truly trying to come out of my fandom here and just think about this neutrally. I think NC State minus 15 is one of the biggest locks of the week this week. The models all have them winning by three-plus touchdowns. That UConn crowd, though, at Pratt and Whitney Stadium. Sure, man. Uh, (laughs) I I just, again, like maybe a slow start for the NC State offense. It's kind of what I'm seeing a lot of people predict that, you know, you got a lot of new pieces and it is a brand new offense. So maybe it takes a little bit to get things rolling. I actually am not sure about that. I think they might actually come out like guns a blazing. What better game to be able to run some pretty good scripted offense than against a UConn team that was pretty awful. You know, so I think that they're going to have some stuff ready. The defense is going to be all over that UConn offense. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a, at least a 21.1. Yeah, I like NC State as well, a force to pick on the line. This is one of those games that I would just use as an anchor tease, though. Tease mm-hmm. that down by a touchdown and then just use it for a whole bunch of other games. Like, I, I even have one here where it's at minus 14. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you could tease that down to a touchdown, I mean, I think there's... Very little chance that NC State doesn't win by a touchdown against UConn, even if they keep it close for like a half or something like that. Tease this one down, NC State's going to win. Yeah. Friday, 7 o'clock, ACC Network, the Battle of Miami. Miami of Ohio and Miami of Florida fighting each other. Brett Gabbert this week, brother of Blaine Gabbert, Mm. is the starting quarterback of Miami of Ohio and has been very chesty about this, talking about who the real Miami is. (laughs) And it's up in Ohio, not Miami. I'm betting the over. I don't I don't know if like this chestiness from Brett is gonna result in a win for Miami of Ohio, but 
the over is 45, mm. and we've got Miami now under new offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson, air raid. Tyler Van Dyke is looking for a bounce back year after a really terrible year last year, and I think Miami's just going to throw the ball all over the field, and Brett Gabbert's going to throw the ball all over the field, just like his brother. And I think we're going to get an over at 45. That is one of my locks of the week. Really? Over 45 in the Battle of Miami. Hmm. I just am not confident that Miami of Ohio is going to be able to score enough to push that over 45. And I don't trust ACC Miami. I don't trust their offense enough to like score 45 on their own. I don't trust anything about Miami this year. I think they will be much better offensively. Their defense maybe takes a step back. And I think... Some of it is I'm just still thinking about the Middle Tennessee State game last year. Mm -hmm. or Middle Tennessee State just threw the ball all over them. And I think that's like the formula for how to beat them. Yeah. And so I, I, that's the kind of game I'm anticipating here. Just a wild throw the ball all over the field situation. That's over fair. 45. Yeah. I'm, I'm not as confident. I think if I had to bet it, I might. I don't know. Uh, that, that scares me. The point total on this scares me. I do like Miami to cover. I think that I don't really care how much how confident the younger Gabbert is here. I think that it's not going to matter. There's just such a big talent gap. And I'm I'm not buying that Miami's like back to their early 2000s greatness or anything like that, but they're definitely 17 and a half, at least points better than Miami of Ohio. And I think, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Miami is going to take enough steps this year that people are going to be convinced that maybe they are significantly better. Friday, 7.30, we have a game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta on ESPN. The first ACC game of the year between two teams. Louisville, seven and a half point favorites against Georgia Tech. The beginning of the Jeff Brom era in Louisville. Mm. We've got two transfer quarterbacks. Haynes King is going to be starting for Georgia Tech. Jack Plummer from Cal is going to be starting for Louisville. Who do you have in this one? First of all, I'm just saying with my actual money, I'm not touching this game. I buy that Louisville will cover seven and a half is not, you know, there's hype around them. I think that they are going to be pretty good. And Georgia Tech, I just think, has a, a talent gap that they have to make up here. But I just, if I was giving advice to betters out there, this is not a game I would touch just because there's so much we don't know. And Georgia Tech with a full offseason with a new coaching staff, like maybe they look a lot better. Maybe Louisville doesn't. Maybe they're still trying to kind of get their legs under them. And I'm just not. I don't know, man. I and it's in Atlanta. Like, I don't know. I I just don't feel good about this. I think that both offenses will struggle. Okay, so I do kind of like the under here, just because I think that it's going to be an ugly offensive game, and that number is pretty high, forty nine and a half. Yeah, that is high. So like, for teams with new offenses and first game of the season, like I just don't really know that I feel great about that. So I think Louisville will cover, but I'm not confident in it. I'm not confident enough in it to put my own money on it. When this line first came out like a month ago, I was all over Louisville. Like it's just like Louisville's the better team. I don't really trust Georgia Tech at all. And then I looked more at it. Georgia Tech was kind of plucky last year. Like they were in a lot of games. They beat some teams they shouldn't have beaten. It was a mess for Brent Key last year, but like he managed to get some wins, four wins in the ACC, which was kind of surprising. I don't have any faith in them to be any good this year, but yeah, like you said, in Atlanta, 
this is one of those I would just tease. That this would be another one of those I would tease down because I think Louisville will win the game, but I think it will be a actually really sneaky good game between these two teams and maybe just a mess all over the place. Yeah, I, I can see that. I just think like I don't know. Even teasing it down, I just don't feel great about. It. To me, it's either Louisville's going to cover this seven and a half or Georgia Tech's going to win this game. And like I don't, I don't know. It just feels I can't get a grip on this game, so I'm just I'm gonna let it go. Speaking of letting it go, Joe Milton, quarterback of Tennessee, will be letting lots of balls go as he and Tennessee take on UVA Saturday at noon on ABC in Nashville, Tennessee. I will be there live for the game. Tennessee is favored by 28 points. I don't know if you saw the video last year in the Orange Bowl where he was throwing oranges like 100 yards. That dude can throw. Yeah. I don't know if he can throw accurately to anybody. Well... He did fine in their bowl game. He did. He also had Jalen Hyatt on the team, though, which is helpful because sure. that guy can just run past anybody. Sure. But I don't think it'll matter in this game. He yeah. might not be able to throw accurately against Alabama or LSU or something like that. But against Virginia, I don't think it will matter. Minus 28. Sorry, who's fans. I will take Tennessee. I think this game will get away from us. But I'm going to have fun. I'm going to get some spicy chicken sandwiches and some mimosas pregame. And then I will bring some earphones to block out Rocky Top, which will play every eight seconds. Yeah. I don't know. Like, still got some pretty good receivers down there. That offense is going to be tough to stop for Virginia. But this is a Virginia team. Uh, weirdly now, the defense is kind of the strength. So can – I think the key here is can Virginia muck this game up enough? Can they make it ugly to keep this Tennessee offense from just like finding a rhythm and flying all over the field. I really think that's your best case scenario is you just make this an ugly slow game and you cover. <laughs> I don't know that Virginia has a path towards winning this game. Maybe I'm crazy. Or maybe we're all crazy and, and Virginia is a lot better than we think, but yeah, I've seen it at 28. I've seen it at 28 and a half. It dipped under 28 earlier today. The, the sharps are just pouring money in on the who's. They know something. They know something that we don't. <laughs> or they're idiots. If it were 28 and a half, which is where I originally saw it, if it were 28 and a half, I think I would take Virginia to cover that. Under 28, though, I don't know. I think it could be right at a four-touchdown game. Yeah, we'll see. I don't. I just don't know how Virginia is going to score. Their offense is going to be the problem. It's the, Their defense, even if they play really well, like yeah. their defense could play exceptionally well. They could do bend but don't break. They could force a couple of turnovers, and I think Tennessee will score at least 35 points. I have no idea how Virginia is going to score 35 points. They, they're going to have to return two touchdowns on interceptions or something like that to even have a chance at that. So what do you think about the point total on this? I've got it at 57 and a half. That's, that's up there. That's up there. That, that almost feels like you're assuming Virginia is going to score some, and yeah. I don't assume that. <laughs> no, I don't. I, that would be a little bit high for me. Um, I would probably take the under there just because – if Tennessee races out to a big lead, you never know what the second half of a game like that is. Do they put in backups to preserve things? Anything like that. I, I have a hard time believing Virginia is going to be able to score yeah. three touchdowns in this game. That just seems very unlikely. Yeah, I really like the under on this one. Saturday, 3.30. Wofford at Pitt on the ACC Network. The start of the Phil Jerkovich era for Pat Narduzzi. Let me give you some stats and see if you can guess what my pick is on this. Wofford is 5-0 against the spread in their last five games on the road, which this is. Wofford is 0-9 straight up in their last nine games against an opponent in the Atlantic Coast Conference. 
They are 0-16 in their last 16 games played in September. And they are 5-0 against the spread in their last five games played on a Saturday. Lock and load. No, I don't know what the line is. Terriers? No, I I mean, clearly they're going to lose straight up. But they're going to cover whatever the line is. Yeah, we we don't have a line yet. I feel like this has potential to be an overly inflated line. I think people, for whatever reason, think that Phil Jerkovic is really good at football. And he hasn't ever really shown that to be the case. I don't know. I don't have the trust in Pat Narduzzi that a lot of people do. And Wofford is like a sneaky good FCS team. I feel like they do tend to kind of surprise people. I got either this or the Syracuse game as like closer than expected. Again, not sure that I would put my own money on it, but it could be a fun one to tease depending on what that line looks like. Maybe pairing this with a couple other ones could be fun. Wofford plus the points all day. Taking it. Saturday, 4 o'clock. A rivalry renewed Colgate at Syracuse on ESPN+. Plus. Let me tell you about Colgate and Syracuse's football rivalry. Let's hear in it. case you have not heard about this or are not familiar with it. In case you have hobbies. That's right, <laughs> which I don't. The all-time series between the two schools is tied at 31-31-5 going into this game. Even though Syracuse has won the last 16, Colgate has not won mm. one of these since 1951. These schools hate each other. They're only like 38 miles apart. And they had a series of like in the early 1900s of like students fighting each other. There was a very specific incident in 1907 when Syracuse was building their stadium. A Colgate student snuck onto the construction site and buried a varsity maroon sea sweater in the cement so that that would always be in the cement. This led to a back and forth situation with uh, students hiring planes to go over the other's campus and drop flyers all over the place. This is a legit rivalry from like 120 years ago. I'm on board with this. I love these kinds of rivalries that like maybe don't mean as much now as they used to, right? So like those current students probably don't feel it quite as much uh, as, you know, the older students, I guess, from 100 years ago did. If you're a Colgate or Syracuse student and you hate the other one, you can write into preferred walk-ons at yahoo.com. Definitely. Tell us your stories. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, let's go Raiders. I feel like there's a really good chance that, again, one of those two uh, games, the Wofford pick game or this game, becomes a lot closer than expected. And I, I'm also not a big believer in Syracuse. You know, I I don't know. I just think that, like, they've kind of – Dino Babers has sort of coasted by these last few years and, and has done just enough to keep his job. And maybe losing to Colgate is what does it. Mm. A little minty fresh upset. Okay. <laughs> I realized that I forgot a game, which was yeah. Saturday noon. NIU plus nine at BC. This is one of my locks could, of the week. I don't know how you could possibly overlook this – matchup of juggernauts that is northern illinois and boston college yeah well i had it categorized here as one of my locks of the week Ah. which is why i was in a different area but rocky lombardi for which first of all great name of a quarterback uh niu's quarterback he has uh dealt with injuries he played at three years at michigan state this is his third year now at niu he is 11 and 6 in games he's played in at niu took a medical red shirt last year they have 15 returning starters, and this guy was uh, like completed two out of every three passes, five touchdowns to one interception. 
I would not be surprised if NIU wins this game outright, but I like them at plus nine. BC is not good. No, BC is not good at all. And yeah, NIU has been tough for years. I actually really like this one too for them to cover, especially if you've got it at nine on the dot been at nine and a half for part of the time and so like i just i don't trust boston college at all on this and and i i think that this is going to be potentially a uh, straight up win for NIU. love it real quick i forgot to i meant to bring this up with all these acc games Mm -hmm. did you see the brett mcmurphy thing about the acc football coaches and their favorite musical artists yes i did do you, do you remember it? Not really. It seemed like there were a lot of country songs in there and some kind of... Oh, there's some, yeah, definitely. Uh, Jeff Halfley, Boston College's head coach. Just take a shot at guessing, trying to remember. If you had to guess... Was he the one that had Rod Stewart? I thought one of them had Rod Stewart. None of them had Rod oh, Stewart. Well, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> Springsteen. Oh, Bruce Springsteen. Feels very on brand for him for mm-hmm. some reason. Yeah. Some other ones that we've talked about already, coaches that we've talked about. Brent Key at Georgia Tech, Jimmy Buffett, Jeff Brom. LL Cool J. Okay. Lu- I would Louisville like to change my cool Louis. <laughs> Mario Cristobal down in Miami. Merle Haggard. No, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Guns and Roses. Oh, that makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Dave Doran is Merle Haggard. Mm. That makes total sense. Absolutely. Pat Narduzzi. I, it wouldn't be surprising if his answer was just that he doesn't like music or that he just <laughs> likes atonal screeching or something. Yeah, no, he went with ACDC. Mm. Uh, Dino Babers, James Brown, and we talked about Wake. Uh, Dave Clawson, Talking Heads. Uh, that's just weird. <laughs> it is. He, weird. He's outside the box though, so that makes yeah. sense. Kind of outside the box thinker. Yeah. Anyway, those are the as we go through the rest of these ACC games. Oh, Tony Elliott, Nas. All right. I'd love. I I kind of feel good about it now. Yeah. 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 Plus twenty eight. Yeah. I'm in. All right. We've got four more games in the ACC. Saturday, the college game day game, seven thirty. It's between UNC and South Carolina. South Carolina is a short two-and-a-half-point underdog, three maybe in some books out there. First of all, I love the over in this, which is 64-and-a-half, unless like that hurricane that's coming through like messes up the game or it's super rainy. So sure. like keep an eye on that. That's like a caveat. But otherwise, I love the over. UNC is going to score a lot of points. Their defense is horrendous. They averaged 444 yards a game allowed last year with uh, their opposing team's completion percentage of 65.24, which was 118th in the FBS last year, which means Spencer Rattler is going to throw the ball all over the place. I like South Carolina. I love South Carolina here. No surprise. I can't totally separate my hate for Carolina, but South Carolina money line, they're winning this game. Your lock is it a lock? That is a lock. Lock. I lock it in. Yeah, I'm like that is 100% my lock. I just feel really good about that. Mac Brown's favorite musical artist is Eric Church. Stupid. <laughs> Give me uh, the Gamecocks. Love what Shane Beamer's doing down there. Spencer Rattler. I think this is the year that we finally get mostly good Spencer Rattler. They've been recruiting their asses off down in Columbia, and look. Charlotte is definitely, I think when it, when it comes to football, that place is going to be rocking with Gamecock fans. They just get way more fired up about it. There's going to be plenty of Carolina fans there too, North Carolina fans there too. But no, I think that this is going to be a South Carolina environment. It's going to be a high scoring game. 
I'm not as confident in the over just because the number is super high. It's like 64, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, South Carolina to win. Absolutely. Write it in Sharpie. This is the Duke's Mayo Bowl classic. Does yeah. the winning coach get doused in mayonnaise? Don't know, but I hope so. Because it's one of if our, so, one of if the answer is yes, I'm, that would be the only reason I would ever root for UNC is because I would want to see Mac Brown just yeah. covered in mayonnaise. Sure. There's I probably, mean, I wouldn't. There's but, probably a website for that. Well, okay. <laughs> not that Not that desperate. Well, Saturday, 8 o'clock, ODU takes on Virginia Tech, favored by 16 points on the ACC Network. This was Brent Pry's first game last year, and ODU won a 20 to 17 game they also won in 2018 so we have a two to two series all time between these two teams but i kind of like virginia tech here like uh, odu's quarterback situation hayden wolf transferred out the guy who like made all the key plays in the second half last year for them their running back situation is not nearly as good as it was last year i think virginia tech just at home feel a lot more confident about them even though they're Offense still has a lot of question marks with what they're doing. I think they win by three touchdowns. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech definitely wins. 16 points is a lot for a team that's lost to them a couple times recently. Um, both on the road, though. True. They're both are lost there on the road. They, they did win at home against them. Yeah, I just, it's I don't know. I got to see success from Grant Wells before I trust him to run this offense i i wonder how short the leash is right if the first half isn't looking good do they pull the plug on him and and move on i I just i don't know i again i think i think virginia tech can win by a couple touchdowns 16 though i don't know i i got this as more of a 13 14 point game okay i would love to see odu win that game that would be yeah that would be also love the under on this Mm. it's at 50 oh yeah i like Like, under too in fact, make it a lock. Lock. Virginia Tech, ODU, under. That's a lock. I was feeling like sort of locky about it coming in, but right now. Yeah, let's just go. Let's lock that up. Sunday. Oh, Brent Pry. Okay, go ahead. Almond Brothers brand. That's a weird choice. I would, yeah. not have, would not have picked that for him. Yeah. Sunday, 730. LSU and FSU. One of the games of the weekend. Number five versus number eight. A rematch of last year's epic game, which came down to a blocked extra point, allowing Florida State to win in Brian Kelly's Baton Rouge debut (laughs) with his weird accent. This is a game with two teams that have NFL players on both offense and defensive lines everywhere. LSU will be playing without Mason Smith, though, because he's being held out by the NCAA for the stupidest reasons of all time, signing an autograph and getting paid for it a couple of years ago. Interestingly enough, because it's a one-game suspension, I don't know if you saw this, that Brian Kelly tried to add a game to Week 0 so that he would be available for this game. Brilliant. Didn't work out, No. And uh, but, but they, they the did look into that. I like LSU here a lot. Yeah. I not going to lock them up, but I have a very, very strong like of LSU to get right. Even though this game is being played in Orlando, it's going to be t- filled with LSU fans. It'll probably be close to a 50-50 stadium. Yeah. Give me LSU. I'm with you. I want LSU in this, although I do think both of these teams are potential college football playoff teams. I think Florida State takes an L here in week one and then turns it around and wins out for the rest of the season probably. I think this game is going to be a great game. I think we're going to look back at this uh, at the end of the year, and it's going to be one of the better games of the season. 
I expect this game to go back and forth through most of it, and I think it could really be one of those classic, like, whoever has the ball last is going to win. And I think LSU puts together a drive at the end of this game to win by a field goal or so. Um, So I think the spread on this is right on at two and a half. Like, I think that it probably becomes a field goal game, and I do think LSU wins it. I think that, too, based on the quarterback situation, too, two Heisman candidates in Jaden Daniels, Jordan Travis. But there's a small part of me that I can't get this out of my head, that LSU is just going to, like, try to destroy Florida State, even though they're hyper-focused on only this game and winning and trying to be national contenders. There's some part of me with, like, all the Florida State crowing about the ACC, and we want to get out, and we want to be in the SEC or whatever. I don't know. I, there's like a Shaden Freud element here that it wouldn't surprise me if LSU just clocked them sure. by three touchdowns. It's possible, I don't know. but I yeah, I think it's going to be an extremely competitive game. And I think that you mentioned the, the quarterback showdown, and I think that um, it's going to be pretty fun to watch, you know, these two offenses. I think that as you start to look at like Jared Verse getting after Jaden Daniels, and he's going to have to probably create some plays outside of the pocket, it's going to be – fun to watch those teams or those two quarterbacks create um, and sort of see kind of I think this could be a high scoring game of course you know LSU lost some talent uh, on defense so did Florida State so it's about seeing who can sort of step up for these two teams it's going to be exciting to watch and I think you know while Mason Smith's going to be out Harold Perkins one of the big game breakers for LSU's defense as well I'm pumped I'm pumped for this game I think it'll probably be the highlight of week one Lastly, in the ACC, last game of the week, even it's on a Monday, just when you thought, oh, football's over. No, they drag you back in Monday night, 8 p.m. Clemson travels to Duke on ESPN. Clemson is minus 13 and Duke has all these players back from a surprising year last year. This is one of my locks. Clemson easily wins this game. They are going to clock Duke. Okay. Klubnik, Will Shipley. Going to come in under Garrett Riley, new offensive coordinator. They're going to sling the ball around, and they're going to put up 48 points against Duke mm. and just smash them right in the mouth. Mm. Lock and load the Tigers. Interesting. Because one of my locks is Duke to cover. Oh, really? So, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I almost made it a lock for Duke to win this game. I feel so strongly no, that this on. is going to be disappointing for Clemson. No. Listen, here's all you need. And this is actually the, re- the reason I originally pulled this up, the, the musical artist thing. And I forgot Mike Norvell, Bob Marley. Who cares? This is all you need to know how this game's going to go. Davo Sweeney's favorite musical artist, Garth Brooks. Mike Elko, Jay-Z. Ball game. That's all I need. Riley Leonard, better than Kate Klubnick. Like 100% to me. Elko's this- about to have 99 problems. Yeah. Well, you know what? Dabo ain't one. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is still true to the lyrics of the song originally. <laughs> and I, I won't say it, but no, this is, I don't know. I part, I, part of me still wants to go back and say Duke money line, but still time. Nah. Can retcon nah, that. I think they're definitely going to cover. And I think there's a really good chance that Clemson leaves the not so friendly confines of Wallace Wade Stadium. There are going to be more Clemson fans at the game than Duke fans. It will be a home game for but Clemson. Have you been in that stadium? They're going to be super uncomfortable sitting on those stone <laughs> bleachers. <laughs> Wallace Wade has is made upgrades, which is still a sad state sure. about Wallace Wade. Yeah. 
but yeah, Clemson I, all day. No, no, okay. no, we'll see. no shot. We'll Mike see. Elko is the truth. I like him a lot, and they had a great season last year, but a lot of it just I don't think it's going to translate luck wise. Yeah, I mean, I think they may not have as good a season this year. Schedule's a lot tougher, but at the same time, I don't think Clemson is ready. I really don't. Okay. We will see on Monday night. So those are the ACC games for week one. Now we got a lot of top 25 games to talk about. It's a big weekend. I hope you don't have plans <laughs> because uh, I, right after I get watch UVA play Tennessee, I'm going right to a sports bar and yeah. just going to camp out for the rest of the day. I don't know what my wife's plans were for Nashville, but that's my plans for Nashville. Love it. So let's talk about some top 25 games and maybe a couple games that are like top 25 adjacent sure. and interesting. We'll do a lightning round of these. So Thursday at 8, Florida at Utah. Utah is minus 6.5, but their two best players, Brent Keithy and Cam Rising, are both questionable. Cam Rising is listed as the starter, but he hasn't even been practicing really with the team, and there he's still listed as day-to-day. And this was the loss last year that Utah had to Florida, which was kind of surprising and put Anthony Richardson on everybody's map as like, oh my God, this guy is the most incredible athlete who's ever lived and translated to the Colts drafting him. I like Utah at six and a half, but man, I don't feel comfortable about it with those two people being questionable, especially Keithy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't feel great about that. Uh, if they play, this is a lock to me. I still give me Utah. Anthony Richardson ain't walking through that door. No. Graham Mertz not doing it for you? <laughs> not quite. Yeah, give me Utah. Thursday at eight on Fox. This is not a ranked team, but I'm calling it the cult of personality bowl between... Matt Rule and P.J. Fleck, two of the most problematic coaches there are. Well, I mean, probably not, but I, we, don't, we don't like Matt Rule no. as a Panthers guy. Jeff Sims is the quarterback for the Huskers, and he was the quarterback last year for some of Georgia Tech's season, and he was last seen in a 16-9 loss against Virginia. That was the last time he's been under center, where he was 6-for-11, 47 yards, an interception, and a QBR of 8.2. Is that good? It's not good. I'm going to tease Minnesota here. Tease Minnesota with as many teams as you can find. This is not the year for Matt Rule. I know there's a lot of buzz around Nebraska, but no. No thanks. Yeah, this may be a good one to pair with the NC State one if you're going to tease. I also just don't think you need to tease it. I think this is going to be a pretty comfortable one for Minnesota. I, I get the hyper on Matt Rule. I've, I have felt it before. I'm trying not to be too bitter, but like I've just seen it. The guy's kind of a joke, and I I don't know. I I just don't think that they have the talent yet. I mean, they're recruiting well, so I think that Nebraska could turn around. But, no, P.J. Fleck and all his acronyms are going to beat the shit out of the Huskers. Oh, man. We should create more P.J. Fleck. We should have an acronym of the week. That's something to incorporate that next week. Saturday at 12 o'clock, ECU at Michigan. Michigan favored by 36 points, even though Jim Harbaugh's not going to be there. He's not going to be on the sidelines because he's serving the first game of a four. I'm sorry, three-game suspension. He'll have to be watching the game on Peacock because it was not going to be on a regular TV. I know you have some thoughts on this. so Yeah, ECU's covering. It's a lock for me. ECU plus 36. That's crazy to me. You know, we looked, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, and I know there's probably a concern out there because Holton Allers is, is gone from ECU, who was quarterback for a decade, seemingly. But you got to think through this. ECU has managed to have offensive success pretty consistently, not only through 
this current era, but just really for most of the 21st century, ECU has been their hallmark has been having strong skill players and being able to have good offensive football. And uh, their quarterback right now is the highest rated recruit in program history. He was a four star coming out of high school. So yeah, no, I think Mason Garcia can lead his team not to a victory. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but they're going to lose by four touchdowns or so. I mean, but they're covering 36. 36 is insane for first game without your head coach. There's just no, no way they're covering 36. Minnesota or Michigan is. Give me the Pirates. I'm a little worried about this, and I would not bet a line this big. I hate betting lines like giving 36 points. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But only 16% of the offensive yards that ECU had last year is still on the team for this year. 16%. It's like one of the lowest totals in the FBS. Yeah. I could see Michigan winning this game like 50 to nothing. I wouldn't bet it, but I could see it. I just think ECU has wide receiver transfers coming in from Georgia, from Georgia Tech. Like there's still talent there. It may not be returning talent. I just, I don't know. I, I have faith that this team is, this ECU team is better than people think they are. Mike Houston is a hell of a coach. He's going to have them ready, and they're used to playing Power Five teams. They play ACC teams all the time. I don't think they'll be intimidated by Michigan. Saturday on Fox at noon, one of the most interesting games of the day. A lot of people are going to be watching between Colorado and TCU. TCU, a playoff contender last year, but a lot of their talent is gone. And then you've got Colorado, who you can't even worry about returning talent because they shipped in... (laughs) They shipped everybody out and then shipped in 50 new players under Deion Sanders. So, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this game and would not bet it at all because there's just so many unknowns between them. But I'm, like, scarred psychically from seeing the spring practices of Colorado. They're just so small. Their players look so small. And I'm just really concerned. Like, that TCU guy that's, like, 400 pounds on the offensive line that I've seen all the videos of on Twitter. If you haven't seen him, look it up. This guy's amazing. I feel like he just put him in the backfield and let him run through Colorado. No one will be able to bring him down. Yeah, put this in your teaser with NC State because I like TCU in this game. I'm not sure if I like him by three touchdowns. I don't know. This is a, a tough one. With Again, with my own money, I'm a little scared of it just because who knows what Colorado is, right? Like, So, yeah, if you're going to bet TCU, I would definitely tease it down with with some other games. Saturday at noon, we have Arkansas State going to Oklahoma. Do you know who Arkansas State's head coaches? No, I forgot. It is Butch Jones in his <laughs> third year. He is 5-19 and 19 so far, but, you know, the Red Wolves are trying and trying to make things happen. They uh, played Ohio State within 35 points last year, so the line here is 35. Why can't they do it again against Oklahoma? A team that was six and seven last year. Yeah. I I, I kind of like plus thirty five. I get it. I think that there's some appeal there. Uh, I just I don't know. Oklahoma could be so much better, and I just don't know. They are so much better. I mean, like so much better than last year. Mm. Um, they, they do have uh, Dylan Gabriel played managed to stay healthy for a whole year and actually played really really well for yeah. them. So yeah. So I I probably not touching this one. But I see the similar logic to the ECU-Michigan one. That could be a candidate to tease those two together, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, I can uh, I can see that. 
last Saturday noon game of a ranked team is one of the most important storylines of the season, one we will be following very closely. It is Iowa. They are 25-point favorites against Utah State. The over is 44. And for everyone who is not paying close attention to this at the end of last year, Kirk Ferentz, head coach of Iowa, longtime head coach, has his son, Brian Ferentz, as the offensive coordinator. And Iowa's offense has been bad. And so they restructured his contract and put in some stipulations for this year. He must meet two different things in order to stay on the staff for next year. One is that they must score 25 points a game. And the second is that Iowa must win seven games. And that could include a bowl game. So here you have a coach who has been put on a performance improvement plan and really has more incentive than anybody else to score points. And it could even be defensive points. That's what's so funny about it. It's like his offense might score one touchdown. If the defense scores three, hey, he's doing his job. Great job. So I feel like this is an opportunity for Iowa to run up the score. They're going to run up. They're going to bury those acorns in the yard early in the season. So then when they play Wisconsin later in the year and it's a 10 to 6 game, he can just kind of be like, it's fine. Let's just punt. Let's keep punting. I'm just not that confident that Iowa is capable of scoring 25 points. So the idea of them covering that spread, it just feels it feels like a lot for a Utah State team that doesn't seem awful on paper. I don't know. I've looked up a lot of stats for this episode. Yeah. This is the most meaningless stat, and it was something that Kurt Ferentz mentioned during media days, that Iowa is 55-3 and three when scoring at least 24 points. Yeah, you just don't do it. I'm I would be great too if my team scored a points, but they don't they don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it's not a stat that matters. Uh, yeah. Not touching that. That's not what I'm going to bet. Over. Go Iowa. I love it. Over. I want it to come down to like the last drive of the season and he's just going to like regardless of what the score of that game is, he's just going to like gunsling it go over. <laughs> I have to score time. You can be burning timeouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. Love it. Saturday at 2, Mercer and Ole Miss. Who cares? Remember when Mercer beat Duke in 2014 yeah, I do. That's in the NCAA tournament? Here. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say about it. No. It's on ESPN Plus if you want to watch. Cool. Saturday at 3, Portland State. Do you know their uh, mascot? Oh, my God. Wait. I can like, see the... They're playing Oregon. They're not the... Ri- the pa- Are they the Riders? No. No. I don't know. They're the Vikings. Vikings. Pac-12 Network. Bo Nix Heisman campaign. Now in the New York Times as of today. Let's go. Question about that. If you were trying to be the Heisman, would you have your people take out stuff in the New York Times and like put stuff up and on billboards and stuff? Do you think that actually helps at all? No. Not when you're Bonex. I think if you're somebody who is a like you're a lesser known person, maybe it helps. But I think this seems like I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not so much if you're Bonex. People I mean, we know, all have people, people know who you are. We have Twitter. Yeah. And, you know, TVs. It made and more stuff. sense when it was like the Joey Harrington billboards yeah. back then, but like now there's no point in this. Except do, for what you want to be compared it. to Joey Harrington? I feel like that's another thing that I would in be like. In college, sure. Uh, he was a great college quarterback. Yeah, but we know. Bo Nix knows what happened to the rest of the story. That's fair. That's fair. Saturday, 3 30, the first Big Ten game of the year. We've got Ohio State, 30 point favorites, traveling to Bloomington, Indiana. Game will be on CBS. We don't know Iowa State's quarterback yet. Ohio State. You said Iowa State. Oh, did I? Ohio State. The Buckeyes. To be fair, I also don't know Iowa State's quarterback. Oh, Ohio State's quarterback. 
But that's not really the thing that matters the most. It's probably going to be Kyle McCord, but we don't know. The most important thing about this game, Tom Allen, Indiana head coach, said he has picked a starting kicker. This mm. was earlier today. Mm. But he was not going to reveal who it was. So Indiana has their kicker. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty important when you're thinking about those 30 points. Sure. I still like the 30 points, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see this game being close at all. Good for Ohio State. They get to start their year with a probably massive conference win. Yeah, it was 42 points last year. Yeah, so this is not going to be close. Beat down. Yeah. Beat down. I would probably tease it down, though. 30, again, 30 sure. is just 30, so much you never know. Yeah, for know. sure. Throw it in with your NC State teaser. Saturday, 3.30, one of my favorite games of the entire day. Boise State traveling to Washington. Boise State's going to be pretty good this year in the Mountain West. Mm -hmm. Washington, maybe an outside college football playoff contender, 14 and a half. The Chris Peterson Bowl, who do you have? Uh, I got Michael Penix Jr. And the Washington Huskies to put up a whole bunch of points. Boise State may hang within that 14 and a half point margin, but... Washington definitely is going to win this still fairly comfortably. I think if it's if Boise State covers, I think it is with some late scores to try to get the margin down. But um, I just think that Washington has such a dynamic offense and their defense is better than people give them credit for. I actually have them as the biggest threat to use to USC in the Pac-12. So definitely love the Huskies here. I have Boise State plus 14 and a half, but every time I look at this line, it just stinks to me. Yeah. It just I'm like, Boise State has eight super senior players. They have a lot of returning production. They're going to be really, really good. They have a history of playing in these kind of games as a program. Mm -hmm. It's 14 and a half. It seems like a lot. Yeah. That makes me think Washington's just going to blow them out. Yeah. I'm, I'm backing off. I don't know. I don't know what I think about this game. It's, it's a tough one. To I, think I, I think I just want to enjoy this one. Yeah. Saturday, 3.30. On Fox, we have Rice at Texas. And I ask you, why, some say, the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. JFK. I think that Rice will also be asking this question, why do they play Texas after yeah. this game? 35 points is probably not enough. They lost 58-0 to zero in 2021. Maybe a chance to see Arch Manning play a few drives Ooh. if the game gets out of hand. Let him get, have a few snaps. I don't know. All I know is one thing. Texas is back. <laughs> I'm going to say it every week. Texas is back, and it starts right here. They're winning by 60. It's going to be a lot. Yeah. I, this, this has like a 63-7 to seven vibe game. Sure does. Over. Give it to me. Saturday at 3.30 on NBC, Tennessee State against Notre Dame. Notre Dame back from across the pond. And you know what? I don't even care about this. Tennessee State has a Grammy. Notre Dame doesn't. That's right. And Eddie George. Mm. Need I say more? No. Notre Dame by 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Saturday, 3.30, the debut of Luke Fickle at Was uh, Wisconsin. 27 and a half points favorite over Buffalo. The game will be on Fox Sports 1. Tanner Mordecai, Braylon Allen. Those are all great players. The most interesting thing about this game for me, Buffalo's head coach, Maurice Linguist. Mm. He goes by Mo. So his name is Mo Linguist. He's got to be great at inspiring his players to get ready for this game. Yeah. Four he... touchdown underdogs. That is bulletin board material for Mo Linguist. That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this game is ultimately going to be fool's gold. I think Wisconsin wins by a lot, possibly covers, and people are going to be talking about how great they are and how perfect everything is fitting in. And uh, Tanner Mordecai playing in this new, like, sort of hybrid air raid offense for Wisconsin, and then people are going to really be buying them. You know I'm not a huge believer in Wisconsin this year. So um, I do think they do really well week one, but I'm not so sure about them really after that. I love it. Okay. Give me give me the Badgers all season. I'm, I'm in. Saturday, 630, USC gets another opportunity to play defense, this time against Nevada, a team that is not very good. But the game will be on the Pac-12 network. USC is favored by 38 and a half points. That's but big. I am not picking USC to cover something that big until I see their defense get like yeah. more than one stop. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a blowout, but is it that big of a blowout? I'm not sure. If forced to pick, I would pick Nevada, but yeah. I don't know. Saturday at 7, we've got Southeast Missouri State traveling to the Little Apple in Kansas State on the Big 12 Network or ESPN+. Plus. Chris Kleinman, head coach of Kansas State, has a 70-6 and record against FCS opponents because he was the longtime coach of North Dakota State. But Southeast Missouri State is number 11th in the polls in FCS. They're pretty good. Yeah. I, I don't know what the line is because it hasn't come out yet, but without Deuce Vaughn, without Malik Knowles, I kind of like Southeast Missouri State plus whatever it is. I'm not going to say plus whatever it is. I'd like to see. I mean, if it's like three, <laughs> I probably would want more than that. But like, I want to see like what it is. Something. But I think this could be a, a dogfight at least for the first half. Saturday, 7 o'clock. We've got on ESPN the tag team partnership of Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino. All together at once, just creating a bunch of evil in college station. They're 38-point favorites against New Mexico. I don't know. I'm not watching this game. No. I hate it. No. Yeah. This is – I mean, A&M's obviously going to win this probably by a lot. They they, probably, they they might cover that 38. I'm not really sure, but it's going to be a lot. This ain't Brian Urlacher's Lobos, so <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to work out for them. Saturday, 7.30, we've got Middle Tennessee State plus 39 points going to Alabama on the SEC network. They would like to run the air raid. Is that going to do anything? Could that maybe keep it close, keep it within some points? Roll Tide next. I mean, Who, come on. Who's going to be the quarterback for Alabama is Does like it, the bigger question. It could be It me, doesn't matter for this win. game. <laughs> it doesn't matter for this yeah, game. Yeah, it yeah. matters for the season. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, it's... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'd imagine they use this game as an opportunity to do some rotation and see some different options, right? Who knows? Maybe the offense struggles and they walk out of this with more questions than answers. But even with that, they will win by a lot. I don't know. I'm not like super confident in any of their quarterback options, honestly. That's why think, I'm not super high on them this year. But yeah, I think Jalen Milrow will play. Yeah. and be the first starter of this game. I don't think he finishes the season. I think Ty Simpson, five-star player, is going to be the quarterback at some point. Sure. It's just a matter of when that happens. So, yeah, I don't know. Saturday, 7.30, NBC. An interesting kind of big game, even though West Virginia doesn't have the cachet as it does in some years. The Mountaineers are traveling to Happy Valley, playing Penn State. Penn State favored by 20 points. It's just a lot. Seems like a lot, but I love Penn State. I'm going to tease it. I love Penn State too, but I still think I'll tease this down just because that's just a lot. It's just a, it's a big spread for a West Virginia team that, that projects out to be better than they were last year. I, I don't know. I just don't really like 
I don't love three touchdowns against a Big 12 team that, you know, again, returns a lot of experience on the offensive line, returns some some skill position talent, some defensive talent. I, I, I don't know. I'm just not seeing three touchdowns, but maybe I'm wrong. I also just don't fully trust James Franklin. I, I don't know. I, I who do you think his favorite musical artist is? Mm. Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> that, uh, probably that it's like Coldplay, Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, it feels right to me. <laughs> oh man! Last two Saturday, eight o'clock on ESPN. A sneaky good game. South Alabama's playing Tulane, and this is one of my favorite games of the day. It's going to be on ESPNU. Tulane coming off of their big bowl victory against USC. Everybody kind of assumes that they're just going to roll through the conference, roll wave through the conference. Yeah, I'm picking South Alabama here, mm. plus six and a half points. They almost beat UCLA in Los Angeles last year, and they were two plays away legitimately from being a 12-0 and team, and they return 18 of their players. And just like as a side note, the last time Tulane had double-digit wins, the next season they were 3-8. and eight. So... I don't know. I feel like there's something going on down there where they just get all high and mighty off of a really good season, and then they fall flat on their face the next year. Give me the Jags. I I can understand that. That being said, with Michael Pratt back at quarterback for Tulane, I feel like they are going to be pretty much as good as people think they are. This, I think, will be a good game. I think it could be really, really close, but I do think Tulane covers the six points. Uh, fun fact, do you know who South Alabama's offensive coordinator is? I do not. Major Applewhite. Oh, yeah. I love when they pop up in like little places like that. Makes me feel old. Yeah, <laughs> I remember watching him play. Uh, last one Sunday at three thirty, Oregon State and DJU starting. They start their season on the road, going to San Jose State in kind of a weird mm-hmm. game. Sixteen and a half point favorites. We just saw San Jose State score a decent amount of points on USC. Uh, I don't know what I think about this one. I do. Oregon State covers. I think San Jose State is riding a little high coming off of that, but uh, DJ is going to tear him apart. Go, DJ. That's my DJ. <laughs> it does Roll feel, It does feel like the, the thing that is making me question is just seeing San Jose State, and that feels like an error of recency kind of thing. Like I know Oregon State's going to be good. They had 10 wins last year. They returned almost their entire offense plus DJ, like they're going to be really, really good. So I should just like bite the bullet and say that yeah, they're going to win. Don't ever think this. This is Oregon State wins by three touchdowns. You know you skipped a game. Did I? Yeah, you left Georgia out. Georgia plays Tennessee Martin. Oh, you're right. I did. Right, we don't need to talk about Thoughts that. about that? <laughs> what will Tennessee Martin game plan to, <laughs> to stop the Bulldogs? Yeah, I mean, more interestingly, it's going to be what does the offense look like with Carson Beck starting at quarterback? Is this Georgia offense still a juggernaut? What do they look like with losing a lot of talent on defense yet again? I don't know that Tennessee Martin is going to be the opponent that shows us a whole lot about Georgia, though. So I don't blame you for skipping it because this is going to be a 40-point win. But but it might be like the one big spread game that I'll feel good about betting. Okay. Yeah, that's probably true. Brock Bowers is going to have like 200 yards receiving unless yeah. they pull him at the end of the first quarter. Brock Bowers for Heisman. That'd be fun. I I kind of want that. He's just I so love, fun. I love watching that guy play. Any upsets that you want to call out? I mean, is uh, like I guess one of my locks is an upset. South Carolina yep. beating Carol uh, beating UNC would be considered an upset. I don't really see 
again, the other one was the Duke one, potentially. I, I don't know the, how confident I feel that they're actually going to win that game. Other than that, I don't see any that really jump out to me. My upset was not on the board here. It's Fresno State beating Purdue in Purdue, cool. which is like a four-point game. <laughs> Mikey Keene is the name of the quarterback. Did you know that Purdue's quarterback is Hudson Card? Speaking of transplanted I, Texas quarterbacks. I do remember seeing that recently. Yeah. Mikey Keene played pretty well in games as a freshman in the situations where Jake Hayner had to leave Fresno State. And Fresno State is like one of those teams like App State – like ODU sometimes now with Virginia Tech, maybe I just why schedule them? Yeah, like they always are prop up and they always play well in these games. I feel like just don't schedule them. Yeah, you know I'm looking again at the slate and I do want to pick an upset. Okay, Northwestern over Rutgers. Wow, you know I see this as a Northwestern team that could feel motivated potentially for one reason or another. Right, we don't have to get into the details on that. Fake grievance is very motivating for people these sure. days. Sure, so I mean, look, it's in. If nothing else, if nothing else, they may just feel like, hey, all the attention that we're getting is negative. Let's go put the attention on football. And Rutgers is not very good, so I think it's a good opportunity. I don't know. I kind of like Northwestern in that game. Another Big Ten matchup, getting the conference slate going early. Love it. That's my upset pick. Okay. So your locks that I have you written down, you have South Carolina money line, or do you want to take the two and a half points for your lock? No, money line. Money line. Yeah. Uh, you have Virginia Tech and ODU under 50, Duke plus the 13, and ECU plus 36. Those are I your... did have Car- uh, State covering 15, too. And K- uh, State covering 15. Okay. Mine, uh, I like the over 45 in the Battle of Miami's. I've got NIU plus nine at Boston College. I've got NIU plus nine against Boston College, Clemson minus 13 against Duke, and then South Alabama. I'm making that a lock at six and a half at Tulane. All right. We'll see who... uh... We'll keep track of the locks. I don't think we can keep track of all these picks. No. Unless we're right about all of them, in which case we'll make a big deal. We'll selectively focus on the games that we got correct. Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep track of locks, and then uh, maybe we should use this Duke-Clemson game as a jumping-off point. Maybe we have to have a game that we pick against each other every week. Okay, we can do that. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I thought about making Virginia my upset pick of the week, but I'm sorry. <laughs> There's just no way. <laughs> Listen, they, they I have- will be happy to record an episode next week where we're sitting there eating crow like, Oh my God, Virginia beat Tennessee. I will record an episode from the 50-yard line yeah. of the game because I will be there being escorted off the field by security. But I could like record. Love it. A qu- it would be a quick episode. Yeah, but for sure. A lot of screaming. Yeah, love it. If you have any picks, want to yell at us about our picks, you can, like I said earlier in the show, reach out to us at preferredwalkons at yahoo.com or you can reach us on social media at pwopod on Instagram or Twitter. I am looking forward to this weekend. We're coming to your city.